Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. You want to stand up there and play behind me tonight as I share, honey? <laughs> she said no, if any of you wonder. Let's make our confession up here. Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. The, we're going to get it up there. Word of God is true. Oh, got mine. Oh, no. I got that one. I like them both. Ready? I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have the victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. And now let's go to the second one. I like it also. And it says, the word of God is true. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, it is just that simple. Good to have all of you in the house of the Lord. You can be seated. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Genesis. We're going to be reading there in chapter 3 in just a, in just a moment. Uh, is John here? John Ledbetter? Are you anywhere around? Let me know. You give me your signal if you want to share, okay? Otherwise, I'll keep going. Uh, I'll, but I'll be waiting on you. I'll be waiting for that signal. No pressure. <clears throat> How many of you ever asked God something? Can I see your hands? A lot of times we fail to receive because we fail to ask. And I was just talking to uh, John before the service about how often it says in the Bible to ask of God. Ask, 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 all through the new covenant. And a lot of times we just think God knows what we want, and he really does, but he puts a great deal of emphasis on asking. And I encourage all of you, when you have a need, ask, and you'd be amazed at what God does for you. But we're going to be uh, talking the, the word of the Lord tonight is, uh, I felt this catchy little title, but beware of, uh, beware of an old deadly virus. Everybody say, beware, beware of an old deadly virus. Every once in a while you read about a virus going on around the, the, the world and it's going to come across the uh, ocean and get us and whatever, and sometimes it does, and sometimes there are some problems and it does come, but... Uh, but but many times it doesn't. The fear is worse than the actual what they say is coming. You know about computer viruses and you hear things about, well, don't do this or don't accept this because it'll put a virus in your computer or your laptop or just whatever you're working with. And, and so we understand all of that. And, and, and they are bad and you have to be careful of them. But one of the oldest viruses in the world, I, I said, God, that doesn't sound like the right description of that, happened in the Garden of Eden and it's called the virus of distraction. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are here on the right night. Distraction is deadly if you continue to be in a habit of becoming distracted. Let's give Hubert a hand over here. Hubert Archer back with us after a hip replacement. He's going to be back on these in just a few days, uh, we hope, and we're glad he's here. Uh, continue to pray for Marlene Bada, uh, uh, Sue and uh, Lisa's mother. She's uh, back home from Florida, an extended vacation in Florida, <laughs> and uh, recovering well and just got a pacemaker, and she's doing, she's doing really well. But if you're a, a, a person who is easily distracted, then you can fall prey to one of the oldest viruses there are in the world. And that's what happened to Adam and Eve. 
And in in the book of Genesis, uh, I'm going to be reading here in in Genesis chapter 3. You all know the story, but I have found that many people are not aware of how deadly distraction can be. How many of you drive? Can I see your, your hands? Okay. If you're driving down the road at 30 miles an hour and you get distracted, that's one thing that you may or may not be able to handle all right. Or it could be something that would really cause you a serious problem. If you're out on an interstate driving the speed limit of 65 mile an hour, uh, a distraction is much more important to you because of the response time that comes. If you're driving down the Oklahoma Turnpike uh, in an Indian Nation Turnpike in Oklahoma, speed limit posted there is 75 mile an hour. You can really cruise out there. And uh, you've got to really be on your game to know what to do and not to get distracted. If you were here Sunday, how many of you were not here Sunday? Can I see your hands? Uh, okay, well, my, my grandson, uh, you, you all know the story about how I have really been blessed with a, a new car some month. Well, it's been a year ago now, but, but I was blessed with, with a new car. Somebody uh, g- gave me one, really. And, and so I was able to give my 2001 Buick Park Avenue to my grandson. Well, my grandson uh, hasn't had the car long, a couple of uh, months, I think, maybe, three Three, well, no, I guess it's been longer than that. If I had the car a year, he's had it longer than that. But anyway, he's driving up to Monticello recently to join his parents and um, ended up uh, with the car out in the middle of a field. I think it was a cornfield, and uh, he rode off the road and, and drove it off the road. And he didn't get hurt, but uh, it's, it's a, as I said Sunday, it's still kind of a fishy story. But that's okay. It's a 16-year-old telling the story that I just looked out the window, and the next thing I knew, the car was wrecked and in the middle of the field. So we'll just buy it for what it is. I was 16 once. Turn to your neighbor and say, you were 16 once. And we never... We never lied when we were 16 unless it was going to get us in trouble, and then, then we did. But, but so he's, he's got a story that he, uh, he said, I don't really want to talk about it, but, you know, I just got distracted. I looked out the window. Well, all I know is that distraction equaled a whole lot of dollars damaged to that car, and they're just now fixing it so he could get the car back. And I'm believing he'll learn a, a valuable lesson and that this will be the worst thing that ever happens to him driving and that he'll never get distracted again. A lot of people are easily distracted, and if you're easily distracted by things, how, how many of you know that we live in a world where we, they talk a lot about multitasking? Well, you I multitask here, and you multitask there, and then I get this done, and this done, and this done. I, I'm not so big on all that multitasking stuff. I think a lot of it is just keeping you busy so your mind can't focus on what God wants you to focus on. But, but, but if you understand the danger of distraction, then you'll understand how important it is. And it started all the way back in the book of Genesis. Now let's look here. In Genesis chapter 3, it said, The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, this, this is after God had said to Adam and Eve, You have authority, power, and dominion over every single thing that is on the earth, over everything that creeps upon the earth. Adam and Eve had power over anything that was on the face of the earth. So when the serpent came, who had power and authority and dominion over the serpent? These are not going to be trick questions. When the serpent came, who had power? 
Adam and Eve had the power. Now the serpent came, serpent came and said to Eve, Has God indeed said that you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, uh, Yeah, we, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, what did Eve know? She knew the word. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you know the word? I found the biggest challenge in my life is not learning more word. The biggest challenge in my life is, learn, is living the word that I already know. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you did come on the right night. In other words, in other words we, we hunger and thirst for more revelation from God. That's fine, but live the words you know. And if you live the words you know, you are going to be blessed coming. You are going to be blessed going. And that's the biggest challenge for most of us. So Eve knew exactly what the will of God was. So many times we know exactly what the will of God is and we get distracted by doing something we shouldn't be doing, saying something we shouldn't be saying, or meditating something we shouldn't be meditating even though we know what the will of God is. Now, God does not come down and get us if we don't do what He said. God loves us. God, how many of you have children? How many of you love your children no matter what they do? You have some that you can trust more than others. If you've got more than one child in your family, you've got some you need to trust and you trust and you trust. You got some that you want to trust and verify. <laughs> Glory to God. It's an old Russian proverb. Yes, I trust you, and I'm going to verify what you said and make sure it's true. I had three children. Pam had three, and, uh, and we have six children together. And of my three children, there were two of them I trust implicitly, and there's a third one I always had to verify. I always had to trust him, but I always verified because of his track record. Well, if we understand how important distractions can be, they're so subtle, so subtle. And, and in verse number four, it says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Now what is this coming? This is a direct assault on the Word of God. Very subtle. No, you're not going to die. She's talking to the serpent. It seems to be an okay thing. She knows, and Adam knows, that they have authority over that serpent. They have authority over everything on the face of the earth. Adam knew that. Eve knew that. So they're just talking to whom they have authority and power over. And she said, and the a serpent said, no, you're not surely going to die. What is this? It's a thought contrary to the Word of God. But you know what is really coming? A distraction from the Word of God. And when you start to get distracted from the Word of God, you begin to open the door to the devil. That's exactly what the serpent wanted. And then this, the, the serpent went on, For God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit, she ate, and then she gave the fruit to her husband. Now, what actually happened in this whole scenario? Eve entertained a thought from the devil. And it was a distracting thought that said, this is not that big of a deal. It's pleasant fruit. Once you eat, you'll have information like God had information, 
and it's not that big. And instead of being attracted to the Word of God, she began to drift off and be distracted by what the devil wanted her to do. How many of you have a thought life that can very easily become distracted? Can I see your hands? You know what I'm talking about, where one moment you're thinking one thing, the next moment there's another thought that comes in, and where does that come from, and how does it come in? Let's turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 4, because we live in a, in a, in a world that is fallen, but it still belongs to God, and through Jesus we've been given the power and the authority through the Word of God and through Jesus, but if we don't live it, then the devil will still have the same power and authority and dominion that he has been defeated in. Does that make sense? In other words, he's defeated, but he still walks about as that proverbial roaring lion. We resist him if we're doing the Word of God. Now, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 20, it says, My son, give attention to my words. What does it say? Give attention our attraction, give attention, be attracted to the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? And then the Word of God settles the issue. When we do that, it goes on to say in, the, in this scripture, uh, incline your ears to my sayings, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to the flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Now, Right now, uh, I, I just love, every time I get ready to pray for messages, I think about Isaiah Harbel. Isaiah, I think Heather and, Mark, or, uh, Heather and Shane aren't in here right now, but uh, as, as you know, uh, uh, Isaiah Harbel is, is in his fifth or sixth week in the Marine Corps, and he's going through boot camp. And uh, I, 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 know, I, I know what he's going through, or at least I used to know. I have no idea what they're doing today. But based on his calls home and a couple of letters that I heard about, it, it hadn't changed a whole lot. Uh, it's like, oh, my, what have I gotten myself into? But, but he, is, he is, is learning to follow commands. And you and I need to understand that the Word of God is a command language that God gives us, not because He wants us to jump and follow orders or anything like that, but because He blesses us through the Word, and that the blessings of God flow through the Word of God. So He shows us what He wants us to do to position ourselves so all of His blessings can come upon us and overtake us. But there are a lot of voices out there in the world. There are a lot of things vying for your attention that, that years and years ago we didn't have. Uh, the 40s were one thing, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. If you were over at, at, at Camp Rhino with Pastor Stanley and the 131 children over there uh, from the dreamland that have been evacuated into uh, Uganda right now, uh, you will find that their day is spent doing very menial type things compared to what we would be doing here and their nights are spent around a campfire uh, and they're they're constantly meditating the word of God and praying for one another and really focused on the things of God they don't have any technology to keep them busy over there they don't have any television sets they don't have any radios they don't have internet coverage uh, they're drinking water uh, out of a well thank God that all of you help provide for but but they they don't have anything to vie to bring distraction into their life. They, they, they just are, are focusing on the things of God. In some ways, 
they have it better than we do. In some ways, they have it better than we do because they are totally focused on the things of God and they're really hurting for food and hurting for things and so they stay close to God and focused upon God and, and really worshiping God. And I'm watching the hand of God bless them in very, very difficult situations and circumstances. When, when you understand that, it can really begin to change your life. Back to Isaiah. In, in boot camp, they have uh, what they call a grinder. And it's a big asphalt. He's in San Diego. Uh, they have two, San Diego and Paris Island. But he's in San Diego. And on this big asphalt grinder, they will have uh, 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 platoons out there. And part, uh, part of his platoon would be about probably 100 men. And uh, in the other platoons and, 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 and all, there would be around 100 plus, plus or minus. And they could have anywhere from four, five, six, seven platoons out there all marching to the cadence of their drill instructor. And what happens is, when you go out there for the first time, I'll never forget that, you go out there for the first time and you got about, who knows how many platoons, five, 10, maybe 15 platoons out there, and all of these drill instructors are telling them the, how to march, right flank, left flank, all these kind of different things, and you're hearing all these voices, and you're all messed up because you hear all these voices and you anticipate a command that comes from somebody else. You don't know how to recognize the right voice. And the drill instructors very quickly tell you, you will recognize my voice and you will respond to my command. And if you don't, we'll double time and we'll run for three or four miles and then you'll get to know my voice. Well, what happens after a while, you begin to recognize the voice of your drill instructor. This was so obvious to me. It's in John chapter 10, verse 27, when it says, my sheep recognize my voice. My sheep recognize my voice. When Rodney and I were in Israel about a year or two ago, we went to a farm over there, one of those kibbutzes, and, and, and this man wanted to give an example of that to us. And some of you heard this story, but in the sheep pen, they had several sheep that were there. And this man who, who ran this area said, I will call this one sheep by name, and he will know my voice, and he will come to me. And there were probably about 30 sheep there. And sure enough, he called this one sheep, and it came bounding over all of the other sheep, came up over the top of the gate, and it was the sheep that he had called. Miriam, did you have that example? You and Sandy, you, did, you went there. It, it was just amazing to see that, that that sheep knew the voice of his master. You and I need to learn the voice of the master of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about that still, small inner voice that speaks to us, but it is so still and so small that it is easy to be distracted by something else. When you're saying that, you know, it's telling you to do this right over here and you really kind of hear it, but you don't pay any attention to it and you do something else and then you find out that if I had done the other thing, I would have been much better off. Can I see the hands of all the people? You know exactly what I'm talking about now. It's following that still, small, inner voice. And what happens then is that we become so distracted by the things that are going on around us. Now, now it, it's pretty much summed up on, on how to get the blessings of God. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, you hear me quote this all the time in this church, man should live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
Man should live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's so you can be blessed by God. James, uh, 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 Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, when Joshua became a leader, God said, if you will meditate my word day and night, if you will meditate my word day and night, you will have prosperity, you will have good success. And that is exactly what God wants you to have. Tell your neighbor, God wants you to prosper. God wants us to prosper no matter what the economy of the world is. Psalms chapter uh, 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Now, distractions are everywhere. And we're going to go to the book of Luke chapter 10. Because, and again, some of this I know you've heard before. But in Luke chapter 10, where distractions come from, are uh, they come from our own thought life. Technology can't distract you. Television can't distract you. Things that are going on all around you can't distract you. But they are tools that can be used to distract you. Are you with me so far? Raise your hand if you're with me so far. Okay. Now, there are tools that can be used to distract you. The only thing that is capable of distracting you is your mind. Your mind. And your mind is constantly busy thinking most of the time. And now, you've heard this before, I know, but the average person thinks about 20 to 30,000 thoughts a day, unless, everybody say unless, unless you're thinking for yourself. You will think thoughts by not thinking for yourself. But if you get up in the morning and say, this is the day the Lord has made, I shall rejoice. This is the day the Lord has made, I shall rejoice. This is the day. And you begin to speak and meditate the Word of God, then you are actually attracting your attention to the things of God, and your mind is not free to be distracted. How many of you, when you get up in the morning, your mind is distracted? Now, the reason your mind is distracted is because it's not focused on the things of God. Your mind will think whatever you tell it to think. Turn to your neighbor and say, you really came on the right night. Your mind will think whatever you want it to think. When I got in here tonight, or came in here tonight, I thought, you know, I think I'll go get uh, uh, some butterball turkey after, now I don't know why I thought this. How many of you think things you don't know why you think them? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, no, normally I would have walked in here and I've been thinking about, let me see, the title. I can get distracted coming in here, meditate the title of the message all day long, walk out of my office, walk in here and forget what the exact title of the message was. I've got to look at the piece of paper here. And I've been praying about it all day long. You, how, how many of you are with me so far? You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, where did that go? Well, I got distracted somewhere along the line because I remember the message just on distraction. And so, so anyway, I'm walking in here, and out of nowhere, this is what I think. I think after church tonight, I'm going to get some butterball turkey, sliced turkey uh, from Kroger's. I really like that stuff, and put it in the microwave and put a tomato on it. It had nothing to do with church. My mind was just absolutely going after maybe it's hungry. I don't know what, but, but, but you know, this is what I'm thinking. Well, I, I'm, I'm getting a little distracted, and i got to focus back on the butterball turkey will come after church about 9 o'clock for right now. I need to get into that attraction of what the Word of God has to say. So what we do is we understand that if I, if I take the Word of God and I 
make myself meditate it. I don't think make is the right word because it sounds, it sounds strong. If I allow myself, if I, if I meditate the Word of God, I'm going to feel great about life. And if I don't, I'm going to be moved in a direction that I'm going to start thinking about something that I don't particularly want to think about. And I'll be distracted by something. Now, that brings us to the book of Luke, chapter 10, where we're going to talk about uh, something that I know you've heard before, but it's the story of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha love God, but there's a great lesson to be learned by this story. Mary and Martha loved God. They loved Jesus. They, they were friends, and Jesus comes to be in their house. And, and, and both girls, sisters, are sitting at the very feet of Jesus. How many of you have found, maybe in your own family, that there are some people that they can hear the same thing and be involved in the same thing and have two really different contrary responses. It's like, are you guys on the same planet? You know, this is what happened, and you see it this way, and the other person sees it that way. And what happens then is that if we aren't disciplined, right now, I, I was talking about Isaiah earlier, Heather, I don't know if you're here or not, I didn't see you over there, but, but, but right now, Isaiah, not, it's not so much that he wasn't disciplined, but he has not been disciplined the way the Marine Corps wants him disciplined. The Marine Corps is stripping him down, trying to find every inhibition he has, every fear he has, every anxiety he has, and they're going to do everything they can to inoculate him against stress so that he will be ready to handle stress no matter how it comes and when it comes. They will be yelling at him and screaming at him for the first three, four, five weeks, trying to break him down to find out what he's made out of, and really, is equally important, he find out what he's made out of so that he can then get built back up to be what they want him to be. If a mom were there, probably, uh, probably if Heather were over there, she'd say, oh, please don't yell at I don't know if Heather would say that or not, but, but it, it, that, that's why they don't allow any moms in boot camp, and they don't allow any dads in boot camp. Uh, we're going to take care of your son, and we're going to inoculate this guy. And when I read this, book, uh, this little uh, excerpt, I gave it to some of our staff. I'm going to give it to all of our staff. But it talks about why they yell and scream so much at the recruits. Maybe all the branches of the service do this. I don't know, but I don't have any experience there. But in the Marine Corps, I do. And I understand that they yell and they scream and they try to break you down and they try to stress you beyond your stress level. And, and the reason is because they want to raise your heart rate to find out when you start to freeze up in your brain from decision making. And when they can get you to the point when you can see that, they can realize you as an individual are only capable of taking so much stress in your life at this time. Turn to your neighbor and say, at this time. Because when we're done with you, you are going to have a much higher level that you will be able to operate at. And that's exactly what's happening. I think we in the body of Christ could learn a great example 
from Marine Corps boot camp or any other boot camp probably that does the same type of thing, that we have to get to the point when we are so disciplined to the command of the person in charge that we do it because we want to do it. It's part of our duty, it's part of our obligation, and it's part of our heart's desire. Turn to your neighbor and say, my heart's desire. When you get up in the morning, now, this is not a bad confession, but you are a creature of habit. If you get up in the morning and start worrying about all of the day, that's because you've always done that. If you get up in the morning and start being distracted by all the things that are going wrong instead of meditating the Word of God, it's because you always do that. You are in a habit that needs to change. I don't believe that Isaiah is probably used to getting up in the morning at 4 or 5 o'clock and running 3 miles. He may be. I don't know. But I, I question that was the life he led before he went to boot camp. I know now that he's getting up every morning. Maybe not now because he's into the fifth or sixth week, but there was a time when he was getting up every morning and they were running and running and running and running. And every time they probably got to a point when they thought, I can't run anymore, and they ran them further and further and further, and they found out that they could run further and they could run further and they could run further. All of us, not a single person here, myself included, is not a candidate to do more than we're doing spiritually and to meditate that Word of God, and to make sure that we're not allowing anything to distract us. Because a distraction can become a habit. One little distraction is not going to ruin your life. But if that distraction becomes a habit in your life, it can ruin everything that God wants to do in your life. And I have known many, many people today. I just tried to counsel with somebody just recently. They're in the process of going forth to get a divorce. And, and I was trying to explain to them, and they finally cut me off. They don't want any input from me. They finally explained that it's going to be better off if we do this. I'm trying to give them years and years of experience, of firsthand knowledge, not something out of the Bible that's a theory, but something that's out of the Bible that is true. This is exactly what you're going to pay if you do what you're going to do. But they didn't want to listen. The reason is because they are distracted thinking it's going to be better if I don't have to face a situation that isn't perfect. How many of you found out that you sometimes jump out of a situation that isn't perfect right into the frying pan? And you think, glory to God, I should have stayed right where I was or I should have done something differently along the way. It's because you get distracted by the subtlety of the devil. The devil loves to come in and just play with your mind and plant subtle, subtle thoughts. Here's Mary Here's Martha sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is obviously doing what he always does. He's teaching. And both of them, if say both of them, here are two sisters who love Jesus. I don't know if they love him equally or not, but just for the sake of this message, they probably love him equally. And they're both sitting at the feet of Jesus. But all of a sudden, something happens to Martha. Mary, for all we know, is hanging on every word. He's maybe saying to her, you know, this is the day the Lord has made, girls, and you need to be glad in it, and that the blessings of God have come your way, and that the Son of God has come into your house. We don't know what all he said, and that you're going to be blessed, and that you're going to live in perpetuity in the Bible, and all of these things he could have been saying, and they could have just, how many of you would just love to sit at the feet of Jesus? Glory to God. We can, if you find that quiet time.
you can sit at the feet of Jesus. But a lot of us, we don't like to sit at the feet of Jesus. We don't say it that way, but we got things to do. We got dishes to wash, cars to gas up, children to take to sporting events, places to go, appointments to go, uh, all of these kind of things that we have to do. So, Jesus, I'll catch you later. And that was maybe 10 years ago or 20 years ago. How much time do we spend with Jesus? How much time do we spend with our cell phones? How much time do we spend on television? How much time do we spend with the distractions of this world compared to sitting at the feet of Jesus for an hour or two? When I first got saved, somebody said to me, if you spend an hour or two every day with Jesus, it'd be great. And I went down to the Wabash River. There used to be a Sears store there. Uh, down by that little park, and I went to the Wabash River. They said, get you a prayer journal and just go sit down with Jesus. And I'd go, and I'd sit down there, and I'd just sit at this park bench, and I'd say, well, Jesus, here I am. What do you want to talk about? What do you have for me? And I'd sit there, and I'd think, gosh, surely two or three hours went by. It'd be about five minutes. It's the longest. It's like nothing. It's like time stands still. It's like, it feels like it's an hour or two. It's been about five minutes that I've been there. It's one of the longest time frames it will seem like you spend, but it's what God wants you to do. Mary and Martha sitting there, hearing the same thing, knowing who is in the house. And all of a sudden, you can put up the scriptures whenever you have them there, but, but all of a sudden, Martha has something that happens. We know what it was, but we don't know what caught her attention. Something happened that instead of focusing upon Jesus, she said something like, guys, I think I'll go wash the dishes. How dumb does that sound to you? <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, it sounds awfully dumb to me. You're sitting, there, you're sitting there talking with Jesus, and all of a sudden, you know, I think I'll go wash the dishes. And then I think after that, I'll serve some of the people, and I'll get back to Jesus a lot later. That's exactly what happened. Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, where was she just before that? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. But all of a sudden, she thought, well, what about these other people? Turn to your neighbor and say, sometime you ought to think about other people. Now turn back to him and say, sometimes you should never think about other people. <laughs> there are sometimes God wants you to be thinking about other people, and there are sometimes you need to forget all the other people, and you need to think about yourself and Jesus and being alone with him. This is one of those times when she should have been thinking about herself and Jesus. But instead... She approached Jesus, or she approached, yeah, she approached Jesus, and she said, she, she noticed, now, now, it doesn't say this, but this is what I believe, it'd be a great one to reenact sometime. Somehow, I believe she went out and started serving, and all of a sudden, she's serving, and the sister who she loves is sitting with Jesus, still listening to every word that he's saying, and she looks down, and she takes a thought. I, she, her thought must have been, who does she think she is? She's sitting there at the feet of Jesus, and I'm the only one serving. Well, she's the only one that wanted to serve, I guess, because Mary sure didn't. And then it goes on to say, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. In other words, Martha has become distracted, and now she's ticked off at her sister. Have you ever had a relative ticked off at you when you were doing something you thought was right for them? And, and, all, and, and now we got, and especially sisters, I, I, I don't know. 
I shouldn't go there. Okay, uh, but <laughs> you, you know, it's it's like you don't want two sisters. It's like a cat fight. But anyway, but but it says, "Is there tell for her to help me? Tell her to help me." And then Jesus answered and said to her, "Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things." Now, in my in my Bible, what it says is verse number forty. Martha was distracted with much serving. In other words, all of the rest of this that we're reading right now came after it said Martha was distracted. Everybody say Martha was distracted. Turn to your neighbor and say Martha was distracted. Now turn back and ask him, do you ever get distracted? Too much serving, too much work, too much of this, too much of that. How about that contact with Jesus? And then Jesus went on to say, right after that, he, he, said, he, said, he answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. I think she thought she was going to get some help in the kitchen. Instead, she got a mild rebuke. Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part that will not be taken away from her. She was worried and troubled. Some people, and I probably even preached this over the years for all I know, some people think the problem was worry and trouble. That was not the problem. The problem was distraction. The trouble was a distracted person who opened the door and became worried and troubled. The distraction caused the whole thing to happen. If she hadn't gotten distracted, she could have stayed at the feet of Mary. But instead, that distraction caused her to come away and lose the blessings of God upon her life. If you ever studied the story of King David, I, I love Joshua. Joshua is my all-time hero in the New Covenant next to Jesus. If you ever studied King David, I, when I first got saved, I thought King David was so cool. I read the first part about King David and all. But when you ever study uh, 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 the story of David, David became distracted and if you read about the part going all the way up to Bathsheba, David was a man of God who did great and mighty exploits. God, I shared this Sunday, God said he's a man after my own heart. But then in one moment, David sees the Bathsheba naked on a porch, another man's wife, a fighting man for him, a friend of his. And David sees that. And he's not the kind of man who would do what he did, but because he saw it, and allowed it, it distracted him. It said he was still in the king's quarters in a time when kings go to war. He should have been with his people. He made a decision not to. Whatever that reason is, only God knows. But he made a decision not to. Then in a moment's notice, he was distracted by a thought. Now, to be distracted is not the end. Tell your neighbor, to be distracted is not the end. You have to do something with the distraction. You have to get rid of that distraction, and you have to get back attracted to what the Word of God says. David knew what the Word of God said. 
David didn't somebody, need somebody to teach him. He got distracted and allowed the pull of the distraction to take him away from the attraction of what God's word was and of serving God. And the rest of the story is he committed murder, is complicit in murder, complicit in cover-up, and he never, was re, he never was restored to the power that he had before once that happened. That happens to many of us when we allow the distraction to come in and take over our life. There are other examples in the Word of God. The word worry, uh, excuse me, the word uh, um, uh, distraction means a result of diverting your attention or the result of diverting attention from the attended focus. In other words, what is our focus? How are we going to stay focused? Solomon got distracted. He started out great. He became distracted. Joshua got distracted one time, and he learned from it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to be like Joshua. Joshua was absolutely a man after God, but he got attracted, uh, distracted in one battle. And the distraction, you've heard this before, I'm sure, but it was the first battle of Ai. And the first battle of Ai, Joshua knew that he was supposed to consult God in everything that he did. Everything that God, Joshua did, he consulted God. He was the understudy for Moses. He understood that. But in the first battle, the people came up to Joshua and said, hey, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. These people are weak. We can, we can handle them without you. Joshua 6, 7, and 8. And Joshua listened to the people. How many of you have ever listened to somebody who was well-meaning and got yourself in a whole lot of trouble? They, they tried to tell you something they thought, but the, one of the biggest challenges you'll ever have sometimes is listening to people who care about you and they truly want the best for you, but they don't understand the Word of God or the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, they, and they, they'll give you counsel that is not good counsel. The counsel, your main counsel should come from the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. But this is what we have to do as we get ready to close here tonight. You've got to understand that you are in charge of your thoughts. You and you alone are in charge of what you think. The devil cannot make you think anything. He can throw fiery darts of thought at you. He can make you try to think something, but he can't make you think anything. Everybody say, the devil can't make me think anything. He can throw that thought, and you see that thought, and you say, I'll cast that thought down. I refuse to think that thought. It is contrary to the Word of God. That's what Eve should have done. She should have gotten rid of that thought when the devil came and said, that is contrary to the will of God. I'm not listening to you. I'm in charge of you. We are in charge. We have authority and power and dominion. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down every argument. How many arguments? Every, every argument. How many arguments? Every. What was, what was uh, uh, Martha doing? She was arguing against the power of God. What was, uh, what was uh, I'm talking too fast here. What was, uh, what was uh, uh, Eve doing? She was talking against the power of God. She was arguing against the power of God. She didn't even know it because she was distracted. And casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing, how many thoughts? Every thought. How many thoughts? Bringing every thought into the captivity of Christ, who was the Word made flesh. So when you let your mind think for you, you are the problem. 
turn to your neighbor and say, you may be the problem. You tell your mind what to think. You don't let your mind think separately from you. I get up in the morning, if I say this is the day the Lord has made, that issue is settled. This is the day the Lord has made, I shall rejoice in it. I love to begin to sing praise in the morning when I get up. I don't do it every morning because my wife's in here right now and she'll be able to tell you he doesn't do it every morning, but I try to. I may sing off key, but I don't really care. I sound good to me and I sound good to God because I believe God may sound off key and sing country western and I'll be up there in country heaven when I get there. Glory to God. And Sue O'Brien says that. That can't be true. But anyway, we, we get up in the morning and we, how, how many of you take medicine in the morning? So you self-medicate, do you not? You take this and you put it in your mouth and you say, this is going to help me. How about if we got up in the morning and said, this is the day the Lord has made, I rejoice, and the devil's trying to distract you by thinking about everything that's going wrong. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's always something going wrong. Who cares? There's always something going wrong. Who cares? What's going right? This is the day the Lord has made. He's got people for me to touch on the head, not the tail. I'm blessed coming. I'm blessed going. God has given me power, authority, and dominion over the uh, word of God, with the word of God, and I can cast down every thought that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. Glory to God. I am Jesus walking and talking. That is exactly what 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, every believer should walk as Jesus walked, and I believe it's, it, we should talk as Jesus talked. Let's stand to our feet. So therefore, from now on, we refuse to be distracted. Now, that does not mean that distractions aren't coming your way. Everything that you have ever done in your flesh for you is a major distraction because God knows that's an area in your life where you submitted to it one time and the devil knows that if he can get you hungry for one of those old desires. My old desire was cold Coors beer. Glory to God. Guess what? The devil never tempts me with milk. Okay, <laughs> but that old Coors beer can be that temptation that I can feel kind of pulling me along. Let me see the hands of all the people. You got something like that somewhere in your life. He would love to distract you. You may be a workaholic. Workaholic's one of the favorite favorite tools for the devil. Always having a project. Always have something to do. Never have time to spend with God. He'll be he'll 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 encourage you every moment of every day to do something like that. But the good news is we have the victory. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we prayed earlier. And I believe that really when we prayed, we settled the issue. But maybe somebody came in late or maybe somebody's still not certain about their life. Lord, if there's one person here that, that doesn't have the assurance that if they died today that they'd go to be with you, I wanna, we want to pray for them, Lord. And again, I just say that if you're here and, and, and if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you came in late, maybe you, know, maybe, maybe you weren't even sure what happened during communion when I said that. But don't leave here without knowing that you have eternal life. Don't leave here without knowing Jesus is your Lord and Savior. If you're here and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I, 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 I know that I need Jesus. I know that I need to give my life to Jesus. We're going to pray for you right where you are. Anybody at all? I think we've all prayed that prayer. Now, while we're still in prayer, I want to, I want to pray, and I believe the Holy Spirit will actually do this, and He'll show you how to live it. But I want to pray for people here that you know that you are easily distracted. 
The difficulty, I think, would be that if you left here not realizing that you may have a challenge in that area of your life. There's nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, it's a good thing for the Holy Spirit to show you you have a challenge in a certain area of your life and then do something about it so that you don't continue on with it. Nobody, nothing can distract you without your permission. And if you're here and you say, Pastor, that's me, I'm, I am easily distracted. I'm going to ask you to lift your hands and we're going to pray for you. Now lift it, leave them up there. Now, Father, while we're in prayer, you see every hand that is lifted. And Lord, I pray that in the precious name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will come and show them exactly what the root of that distraction is. I thank you, Lord, that you will heal them in that area of their life. I bind distraction in the name of Jesus. It is a tool of the enemy. I bind it in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that in its place, there will be an attraction an attraction to the Word of God, an attraction to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and that there will be no time to be distracted, but it will be an attraction to all of the things that you have for us. I give you praise and honor and glory for this Word that will change our lives for eternity on this earth. Now let's make this confession for all of us. Lord, Forgive me for those areas where I have been distracted. I've heard the word tonight, and I refuse to continue to live a life of distraction. I'm going to meditate your word. I'm going to live your word. I'm going to tell my mind what to think. No longer am I going to allow it to think for itself. I'm going to tell my mind what the Word of God says, and I'm going to think that Word. I'm going to meditate that Word. And whenever something contrary comes, whatever the distraction, I'm going to cast it out. I will refuse to think any thought that is contrary to the Word of God. Therefore, from this day forward, the virus of a distraction will never affect me because I have been inoculated by the law of attraction. Can you say amen to that? Go and be blessed. Give the Lord a hand. <laughs>